0: Welcome to DevMode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107.
1: And I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston.
0: And today we have on Will Brower from Dixon Squabble. And you were just recently promoted. You got a fancy new title there, right?
2: Uh, Yeah.
1: So I'm just a manager role,
2: web development supervisor. But you still code, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think I could not. All right.
0: Good, good, good. Just want to make sure. And so, Will, we've got you on today. And for anyone who doesn't know, you have the unfortunate quality of being my brother-in-law, so you have to deal with me at least once or twice a year, so everyone everyone can have sympathy for Will. <laughs> but Will, the, the reason we wanted to have you on today is we wanted to talk about this thing called Nuxt and find out a little bit about it. So if you woke up, passed out on the floor with a carpet in your face in Kyoto, Japan, and you had a really bad headache, your breath smelled like shoju alcohol, and your right arm really, really hurt, and you asked your friend hey you know what happened last night i don't remember anything he said i'll tell you if you tell me what nuxt is what would you
2: tell him
1: <laughs> what oh
2: uh, i i love that like i really want to hear the true life story of this of hmm. this one but I, I would have to tell my friend after my arm started feeling better. If you're making websites and you want to use modern JavaScript tools and you happen to be a fan of Vue.js, then Nuxt is a great way to make websites that are really fast and really secure. And it's a super flexible framework you can work with to do that.
0: So we probably aren't really necessarily choosing Nuxt, right? We're choosing Vue. And then because we're choosing Vue, we're choosing Nuxt. Is that kind of how it works?
2: Yeah, exactly. You're in a whole new world when you're looking at the big frameworks that do things like Svelte or React or Vue. So if you're already comfortable with one of those, then this is taking that a little bit further. And they actually call Nuxt a meta framework just because Vue is still the framework you're working with. But Nuxt is sort of an extension of that and allows you to build different types of sites that are a little bit more opinionated towards what kind of Nuxt is geared towards. But the benefits are pretty nice once you start getting into it.
0: So Nuxt is sort of adding a number of levels to make certain things easier like routing and pages and rendering and it's it's trying to take care of a lot of this stuff for you that you have to deal with yourself if you're using Vue but I, I got a question for you though can't yeah. we just build sites with HTML CSS and if we're using Craft Twig, why do we need Vue? Why do we need Nuxt? How does this help us?
2: You really could just, you're, you're really doing a lot of the same things. If you're to the point where we're doing, we use Craft a lot or our company I work in, and pretty much at this point, every site has some sort of caching layer. We're sort of working within Twig components if it's a Twig site. So, so you really could use all the stuff that Craft has built in, but there are some advantages to using Nuxt where you're you start to think of your site as as opposed to craft is the platform craft is where the content is stored and edited and it's also the thing that the user is interacting with whether it's through that cache layer or not it's it allows you to kind of pick up some of the benefits of a headless cms and a headless setup where you can have almost a separation of your content is all done in one place and the code that runs your front end is all done another end and in certain situations for certain types of websites that that can be a really good way to go where the end result is your your editors don't really see a difference from their standpoint, but the code that's running at the end of the day is a static website. It's super fast. Uh, You don't have to worry about somebody finding your login page and you could hide that really well. So there's even some security benefits there. So, so if,
0: if we're using Nuxt, are we inherently building a headless site, whether we're using craft or not? Is that just a, a given if you're using Nuxt?
2: Yeah. And, and part of the reason why I like part of the reason why I love Vue is the you can build the whole site and Vue as an SPA. And that's fine. You do have to deal with getting the information, and how do you get that in? You can actually build your site using Twig and Vue, so you can kind of slide Vue in just for the interactive parts that you want. Or, you know, Vue could just be used for maybe a couple components, and maybe at that point maybe you don't even need Vue, maybe you should look at something a little lighter. But Nuxt means you're kind of all in. You're you're saying, I'm building everything using Vue components, I'm building everything kind of in the Nuxt way, which we'll get into later, I guess, but the it's not too different from if you're comfortable with Vue or building a Vue SBA. But yeah, you're the benefits are you no longer need to work with whatever platform your CMS is, but at the same time you're jumping all in onto another framework and into a front end framework to handle all that stuff.
0: So you're using Craft as a content management system, like the the thing that content authors interact with, but you're not using it as a content rendering system, which is kind of what it, if you're if you're using Craft out of the box, the way it was originally conceived, it really is two things, right? It's a content management system, but then also it gives you a whole bunch of APIs that's kind of like a content rendering system too. So it sounds like when we're using Nuxt, we're kind of using craft or any CMS or any web-based CMS whatever in its purest form where it manages the content and it's totally agnostic in terms of how where when it ends up getting rendered is that right
2: yeah if you do a craft website and you're using twig as your front end you could already kind of have that feeling where there you can feel that they're different but in this case you're really saying your front end is the next code and everything I've included there and the back end could be craft or it could be craft plus you know some data database of products that you're gathering from some other source. And you could be pulling all these things in and building out that front end just throughout the process of building a Nuxt website. Craft just becomes the repository for your data. And at that point, it's more of this is where you would want to send your client to edit their sites and give them kind of that intuitive interface and just the the data modeling in Craft, the the, the fields and the plugins, ecosystem, all that stuff is there as long as it's within the CMS. But then you as a developer, you handle all that code and you don't worry so much about you're, you're kind of doing things in another area and not so much concerned about how plugins may play into your front end if they're if, they, if you're using certain plugins that modify the front end or provide data to the front end on the flip side though it makes it a little more complicated because now you have to find a way to get that stuff from craft or wherever you're putting that data into we'll, we'll get into we'll get yeah. into the
0: complications in a little bit but I, <laughs> I I need you I'm not just from Missouri I'm from southern Missouri so you don't just have to show me you got to <laughs> you got to prove it to me okay how
2: did, how did you wind up in japan that's what i want to know <laughs> i got
0: on a plane you know back when we <laughs> used to be able to get on planes you know what i'm talking about so my question to both of you i actually want to give both of you a shot at answering this i've been developing in twig for the last i don't know let's say 4 years right i'm a developer i make uh, marketing sites for clients i use twig and craft cms on the back end why? What benefit am I gonna get? It sounds to me, at least from what I've been hearing, that I'm gonna be taking what I already know and I'm gonna be throwing it out and I'm gonna be replacing it with something that does the same thing. So why? Tell me why, Patrick, you first. Why?
1: Yeah, so one thing that I was thinking of as Will went on about you know the reasons to use it is we're we're on episode like one hundred and eight of dev mode at this point, and I look through all the different technologies that we've talked about. And certainly you can make a site, yeah, you know, with craft and, and twig templating. You know, then there's a the question of how are you putting together your CSS? So, well, I mean, if you listen to Dev Mode, you've heard about Chakra UI, you've heard about Tailwind. Any of those are going to require some sort of a build process. Maybe that's through Webpack, and Nuxt uses Webpack under the hood. If you're looking to do an advanced build system, Nuxt is going to give you that right out of the box. So anything you've been meaning to check out or use, there's probably a plugin for that'll let you bring that in and load it really easily. So today, yeah, you could be just spending all your time in Twig. But then whenever you want to write some CSS, you're jumping out into some external files that are kept separate from your Twig, you know, your Twig templates. You're swapping in between those. With Vue, you, you get single file components where, in a single file, so if you're coming from Twig, think about like a Twig partial. In this file, you can have your template code, your script code, if you have any front end handling you need to handle, and your style code. It all comes bundled in one little file. Rather than having, I have my Twig over here, and then in my source file, I, in my source folder, I have some, you know, PCSS, and then I have some JavaScript or maybe TypeScript. Instead of jumping all over the place, you get one little file all together. This gets you just into this view single file component way of building things where every component you have is a single, nice, File and when you're doing any sort of refactoring or code cleanup, you don't have to look through three or four, whoever knows how many places to kind of clean up your code and maintain your code. Let me see if I understand what
0: you said. I'm gonna, all I heard was, I don't want to have to learn Webpack, so I'm gonna learn something else instead, so I don't have to learn that other thing.
1: No, well, I mean, Nuxt, <laughs> you really don't have to know Webpack at all to use Nuxt. No, 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 um, but that's what
0: I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You said that one of the reasons to use it is it has a build system built into it right so you don't have to you don't have to learn that however if i'm coming at it from the point of view of i don't know vue and single file components and i don't know nuxt i don't know any of these things I still need to learn all this stuff right I still have a whole bunch of stuff I need to learn so I've kind of moved what I need to learn so why is it worth why is it worth learning view as opposed to using this stuff that I'm using already
1: uh, I mean I think because so much is going into the front end and people are expecting sites to be dynamic they're expecting things to just work in the front end nicely the way they are on any other site out there with with respect to components on your site that are all talking to each other and working together, and you can certainly do that in Twig. You, you could do that with something like Ben Croker's Sprig, yeah. Sprig to make your Twig code work more like JavaScripted components that will work together. But there, there's still a lot of jumping from one thing to another in that. If you're going to be writing modern JavaScript, you're going to be probably bringing in some sort of a front end framework to make them all work together. Otherwise, you're kind of having the old school, like one big app.js and everything runs on document ready the way we used to with jQuery. It's much nicer to be able to just have all these components know how to listen for events from each other, send events to each other. And so whether you're in React or Vue, those make all of that possible. So I think if you're doing modern development, you're going to start getting into some sort of front-end framework. And with that comes the need for some sort of a bundler. You know, If you want to do well on Google PageSpeed, you're going to need critical CSS. All these things that are expected for modern sites come out of the box with Noxt. Yeah.
0: So I I like what you're saying, and it makes sense to me that I think what we all want to avoid is the mixed context, right? So we don't want to be mixing. Like, yeah, you can start by adding some view to your Twig code and, and that works, but you, uh, everyone reaches a point, and I'm sure, Will, you have gotten there too. You reach a point where it just gets unwieldy and ugly. You know what I mean? So as soon as you start adding a couple of view components and then you have to get the data from Twig to View and View to Twig and back and forth, I think we can all agree that what we really want to avoid is this mixed context thing where we're mixing and matching stuff all over the place. So it makes sense to me that that would be a huge advantage to using Vue is that if you're already all in on one of these front-end frameworks, here's something that will give you this one platform that you can use to write everything. So, well, I'll put the same question to you. I'm an experienced Twig developer. What benefit am I going to get by moving that whole half of my development and spending all that time to learn Vue and learn Nuxt? What is going to motivate me to do that? What are the benefits?
2: You, know, you did mention one of the big things where if you're used to doing something with a lot of interactivity and you are going to use something like Vue or some, some other front-end plugin, I've done this so so many times where you get a whole bunch of data out of craft and you put it into Twig as a big JSON blob yeah. or sitting somewhere on your page and that's in your markup and it's and then and then it takes the time for JavaScript to read that. And th- now you're talking about render time delays and stuff like that. So and then so say you get that data out and say you've got this really great Twig component set up with like a button in your Twig component uh, or, that, or it's all styled for for to work with Twig. And then you're like, oh, I need that button, but I need it in my JavaScript section. So now you're either doing the world of view, you could do like scope Slots and doing back and forth stuff to make that happen, or you have your twig version of your button and it's all styled and whatever, and then you also have your view.js component button, and all of a sudden, I make one change to one and and i've got a lot more work on your hands so it is about simplifying it and that's definitely a big part of it the other part and i I work at a at a company that does you know marketing websites and i work with team a team of people and so on my end and and unfortunately at this at this point we're actually looking for another developer so from from my end we've when you go to hire somebody there's a pool of a lot of great people who know craft and twig and php in and out And, and i'd love to find somebody who has those skills but also so if i'm looking for somebody who knows javascript and knows vue i'm looking at a, a wider pool of people so yeah, you're um,
0: comparing a pond to a lake <laughs> this kinda, is what
2: you're kind of and and so then, then it's the question of could you learn craft later or could you learn Twig, Craft, and then learn how to work with you On top of that, and and that's not really the best reason to do it, but I, but that's a factor from somebody like me who works. With <sighs> I think it's
0: a huge reason, though. I think that is a huge reason, not just from a HR resource management hiring point of view, but also for yourself for developing your own skill set. How widely applicable is this skill? If I was to enter the job market, if one of our kids grew up and they just graduated from college and they're like, Dad, I want to be a web developer. Should I learn Twig? Or should I learn (laughs) Vue? It's a no-brainer, right? You know what I mean? I 100% tell them to learn Vue. Or I mean, I might tell them to learn React, you know, depending, whatever. But the point is, not only does it make it easier for you to hire people, you've got a bigger pool of talented people that do stuff. You also have a huge ecosystem that is building stuff for this environment. And then also just you are getting better at a skill that is more broad and more marketable. I don't think there's any way you can understate that. I think that is a huge selling point.
2: I think there's that. And then for me, I'm I'm a person who I want to know how the things under the hood or work under the hood. I wanna know what does Twig do? How does that work with craft? How does craft's PHP setup work? How does Craft plugin, so I want to know the whole the whole way through, and I want to know on the other side of things. And you know, when we're getting into Nuxt, I want to know what is Vue doing, how does Vue render stuff. So I want to learn these things, but I can recognize that some people are more comfortable. They're like, I want to do Tailwind and Vue all day, and right. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with working with somebody like that if they're good at that and they could. They don't maybe they don't want to ever learn how to do Craft plugins and or modules, and that's fine.
0: Yeah. Um, well, speaking of how you know you wanting to know how things work, you mentioned before how you had JSON encoded a blob and like stuffed it into the DOM to and you know, all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that this is still the case, but at least until very recently, it was the case that that is how Nuxt works already. So when you are building something that is a universal app, it will pre-render, and we'll, we'll get into this down the road and, and we'll explain it all, but it will pre-render it on the server, but then a blob of data that is used to hydrate the JavaScript is actually injected into, so it's actually doing that
1: thing already. It's literally yeah, doing that's the same a nice thing. little payload.js, so it feels a little less gross, but yeah, it, it, it's the same it does You're right? And as you fly around from page to page, you know, without page transitions, it's using a guess, payload.js to deliver a big JSON blob of the data you need. That being said, we'll talk about static generation and why it's really nice if you can get your site working with that.
0: But let me see if I can summarize and maybe you can think and see if I you left out any points that you wanted to make. But it sounds like benefits in moving to something like Nuxt is that You'll have a unified model for doing front-end development. You'll be working on a skill set that for you is widely marketable and also a skill set that for your team, you're going to be able to find more people that you can hire to work on it. And it's also something that allows you to componentize the things that you're working on into nice single file components, and you're also building this on the shoulders of Giants. You've got many levels up, so it's taking care of a lot of stuff like the build system for you. Is that Does that sound pretty reasonable? Are there any others you'd like to add in terms of reasons why I might ditch doing my front end in Twig and learn how to do it in Vue and Uh, Nuxt?
2: Yeah, so I I, one more thing that we're talking a lot about the developer experience, but also kind of the the client experience. One of the big things that, that we run into is we're working with big enough clients where they don't ever want their site to go down, or at least uptime is a very important thing for them. So if you push out code and get a 504 error or some or something weird happens, if you're doing that in Twig and maybe an uncached version of Twig, the end customer may see that stuff. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of catches along the way when you're doing, as Patrick said, when you're doing the static generation of a Nuxt site, during this process of building out your Nuxt front end, it'll catch issues. They, say content was put in wrong or there's an error in your code, it'll catch that and just not push that live so there's a little bit of a peace of mind thing from a client standpoint so, so that that's only if you decide to
0: static render right which is only one of many ways that you can make a nux site though right
2: yeah and, and i would say so that that may get into your use cases and and so for me in particular i think we've really only done these static generated sites because yeah. we do marketing sites that There's some interaction, but there's really not, we're not doing e-commerce with it. So I would say those are, there are times where you probably wouldn't want to use Nuxt if you had to do something a little more dynamic or or you just have to know that they're going to be it's going to be more complicated than
1: yeah. I mean, it, it's I still I mean, man, like it, it's essentially just things that you get for free in Twig, like being able to say you know set cart equal to commerce or whatever. You're going to have to do an XHR request to get that. But you know, even then, like if you're getting into e-commerce that's doing any kind of volume, you almost don't want to be checking the cart on every single page request unless you have to. We have a client that has a big media hit coming up very soon that we're expecting tens of thousands of people. On the site at the same time. And we make sure that we actually aren't checking for the cart unless someone's actually added something to their cart or they have, you know, session storage that tells us that there's probably something in their cart. There's a lot of stuff even with e-commerce that right now, if you're having to rely on a server, always be there. If you ever have serious traffic, that can really put a lot of stress on a craft or any other server.
0: Let's take a step back, though, because I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because I want to get into the things that are deficient as well. But I think we should talk about the different ways that you can use Nux. To render things because I think it might be a little confusing to people that have never uh, seen or approached this before. So, and you, both of you, correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I know you folks have done a whole lot more with Nuxt than I have, but essentially you can render your sites three different ways. One is you can use generate, which is what Will is doing, which is effectively like Gatsby, right? Where it does a static generation where it builds all of your pages and then you deploy all of your pages or or your pages get built somewhere. They can get built on Vercel or they can get built on, Netlify or or whatever. So that's one way where you're all you're deploying is the static HTML. Yeah. And then another way that you can do it is a universal app. And that's where it actually runs an Express server, a Node.js web server on your server, and that's what handles the requests just like nginx might handle the requests that are coming in for PHP when you're using Craft. And that will render that payload we're talking about so the front-end JavaScript can hydrate. And that's universal. And it's called that because it runs on the back-end and on the front-end. And then the final way is as an SPA, where it's 100% client-side, Nothing is rendered on the server. They just have to download the whole payload and it all gets instantiated and runs in the client. What would you like to add to that?
1: Yeah, there, there's a couple of things there. So there, there's two different things you're talking about. One is there is what mode you want it to run in. And there's either SPA mode or universal mode. Yep. And I'm just reading from the docs at this point. But SPA mode is what it sounds like. It runs as a true SPA. The only navigations that's happening is on the client side you're you're not talking back to the server like I, my guess is you're just getting a whole lot more put into the javascript layer to allow all that routing to happen Without ever talking back to the server after that initial request, and then there's universal. Well, you which,
0: could though. You could be doing GraphQL requests and other things. Oh yeah. Oh, well,
1: I mean more the um, you know the, the front end of Nuxt. Right, um, right You're, right. you're yeah. almost certainly making GraphQL calls back and yep. forth, and then there's so SBA versus Universal. Univ- universal, I think, is the the better bet because it has server side rendering client side navigation. It's kind of the best of both worlds where it is putting more on there for server side rendering for that SEO boost. Then in terms of targets, you also have like, what is your deployment target? Do you want to deploy to a server side where you are still going to be keeping, like you said, an express server up there that is fielding the requests and dynamically talking to GraphQL on every single request? Or are you doing static generation where you are quite literally just going over a list of every single URI on your site pre-generating that all up front, generating the HTML, generating the JavaScript and dumping that out into a distribution folder that you then can throw up on a CDN or wherever else you would like it to run. So there's
0: But you can't have a statically generated universal app. Like that wouldn't make any sense.
1: Will you want to help out here? Yeah. <laughs> I think you uh, have to be in universal mode to run generate. I think you're right. There yeah. there may be yeah, three at the end of the day, but yeah. um, Well, yeah. But there's, when
2: you're running it as a server, there is the server-side rendering. Yep. So you can, you get a little bit of a performance help there, but now you're still kind of playing with, like, I think static is doing all the server-side rendering just all up front, um, yes. where server-side rendering is kind of happening, but you have to have that server running. And
0: I don't let know. me see if I can simplify it. Static generation is built on my machine, whether my machine is my local dev environment or some kind of a build server. So static rendering is done is built on my machine. Universal rendering is done on the server side and then it hydrates into the client. SPA is rendering entirely in the client, in the browser. So it really is these three things. I realized that they're not entirely mutually exclusive, but they are kind of deciding when and where this thing is built. So I don't think you can have a statically built site that is universal because it doesn't make any sense. If it's static and you're deploying HTML, where's the JavaScript code that runs server side, right? Like It's just not possible, <laughs> you know? Um, but those are essentially the three places that these things can run. And, and Will, you have decided that you want to be using the, the static rendering of stuff. Why is it you decided to do that? And what benefits are you seeing from that and then what downsides are you seeing from that
2: the biggest benefits is uh, we're not to keep going back to it but when we build a craft site that's in twig we almost always use Something like there's the fantastic Blitz pl- plugin that does static rendering of your Twig pages and makes the customer experience a lot faster because you're hitting HTML pages that have already been rendered. Or you could add do something like depending on your server setup, use something like Fast CGI caching or something like that. Which so we're at the point where almost every site we go through the trouble to do the static, do some sort of static caching. So we're kind of we're kind of t- taking that and instead of doing in the DevOps side and on the server end. We're kind of leaning towards this Jamstack and and doing the static version in Next, but the types of sites that we're building lend themselves to having everything is 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 usually pages of content and yeah. they're usually static. They don't really change where. Well, but uh, I mean, with Nuxt or any of these any of these frameworks, you can always use JavaScript and make other calls out to the server, even in a static site, just you kind of have to now handle that on the client side. But you could do dynamic stuff and sure. have a dynamic experience, but you're starting from static page to begin with. And then yeah, you kinda, static, that's the hydration.
0: The static render doesn't mean that the page can't be dynamic. It just means that the rendering that is delivered to the server is a static HTML page, right? You could have JavaScript that runs in there that communicates to do this, that, and the other API and does all sorts of dynamic stuff. Uh, So this is something I think (laughs) is kind of funny. So, I mean... One of the things you mentioned, Will, is from a security point of view, you don't have to worry about anyone being able to hack the site or whatever. Keep in mind that if you're using Nuxt in universal mode, where you are running stuff on the server, <laughs> that's that's no different than running PHP on the server, right? So you still would potentially have the same vulnerabilities. So it really, yeah. it depends one, on which mode you're using.
1: Yeah, and one, and one thing to anyone who thinks that this is just magic and you can do whatever you want, you need to be careful. Like when you're setting up Nuxt, there is both a private config and a public config because there mm. may be a GraphQL well token that you only want to use in the back end when you're running behind the scenes but you would never want exposed to the front end because if someone finds that and starts playing around maybe they could get to content they're not supposed to or maybe even run mutations they're not supposed to if you're really reckless with how you've set it up Um, and they, (laughs) they let you have both a private config and then public override so if you want to use a separate token on the front end you can you can fill that in you still need to be careful. You're not, you know, leaking API keys or anything. You're, you're putting it all out there, and you want to be really thoughtful about what is and isn't making it to the front end when you're doing something like this.
2: Well, with that kind of thing, and, and you can then start to leverage things like Lambda functions, and you know, what they call it, like serverless, or Netlify calls it Netlify functions. But at that point, and and now let's we're we're getting the point of let's recreate PHP again. You know, I <laughs> know, yeah, um, but but no, this, this is this is a great. world. this is totally <laughs> relevant
0: to what you're talking about. This is so. absolutely. Hilarious. Hilarious, Will. So Netlify, that hosting company that we know and love, they sent a tweet out the other day that said, we'd love to share a new concept we've been exploring with Jamstack. Check out this RFC and take a look at distributed persistent rendering. And they're talking about, you know, this fantastic shiny new thing called distributed persistent rendering and essentially what it boils down to is that it will build the page on demand and then serve up a cached version. And I sat there and I looked at it and I'm like, (laughs) wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what we have been doing for decades in terms of the LAMP stack with a fast CGI cache or a varnish cache or whatever, which is where it gets built on demand and then it gets cached. And I'm just, I'm looking at it, I'm like... All right, it's cool that they're going to do it, and that's wonderful, but let's not talk about this like it's some crazy new technology, you know? Just files. And they, you know, they're giving it a name so that they can, they're calling it distributed persistent rendering, like, okay, all right, whatever. Your marketing team's got to do what your marketing team's got to do, you know what I
2: mean? I mean, so so you take all the, so here's the, so you take all the benefits of you get somebody who just wants to do Vue and Tailwind all day, but now instead of DevOps on a server... You know, right. now, you're, now you're doing DevOps on your static server that's static, but not really. So there's the, now you've kind of come full circle. So, yep. uh, yeah.
0: Well, and I think that is the biggest gain. Like if I were trying to communicate the real reason why you might want to learn Vue and Nuxt and use something like this, or if you like React, you know, learn React and Next.js is a very similar technology. Svelte has one called Sapper, very similar kind of idea. The real reason would be that let someone else do all this work for you. Let someone else handle the DevOps crap for you. Let someone else handle the build system process for you. Then you can focus your energy building the thing that you want to build, right? I mean, does that, that would be how I would, communicated
2: yeah and and i would say anybody who's listening to this a lot of these concepts have been around for a while that in, in i mean nux is not new and Vue is not new craft is not new but i would say if you want to talk specific about craft i would say the last year is where a lot of this stuff has been more possible and even then i feel like we're also still sort of at the beginning if if you were to consider craft as the cms that could have two paths you know you could have your twig and and all that all, all the things that go along with doing everything in twig and almost i wouldn't say standard way but i guess that's what more people might be more familiar with and then if you're going to go this route of doing headless or jamstack sites you're going to run into times where just things maybe you know there's there's stuff that's either not there or that's just there's been a lot of work lately that to catch up and and to make things work really really well but there's just you you, you're going to run into your roadblocks here and there
0: yeah which is not just the game that our kids love to play, right? It's actual <laughs> actual real world problems of roadblocks. So here's the thing though. This all sounds really exciting and interesting. That's the other thing to keep in mind, is that if you are doing your front-end development with Vue and Nuxt, you don't have to use Craft CMS on the back end. Maybe it's not the right fit for a particular project. Maybe you really just need like some simple data in an airtable database somewhere, or you need Simple data in forestry or, or some other thing like that. This gives you the flexibility that you can build the front end in this thing that you know, and the back end can be whatever you want it to be, which I think is kind of empowering. And from a future proofing point of view, being able to swap in and out the right tool is probably a really good thing. But we, we've been talking about the benefits of doing this and the, the cool things, but I want to know what the downsides are. Like, what am I going to lose if I throw out all of the stuff that Craft provides me in terms of APIs for rendering stuff in Twig and for doing simple things like you were saying, Patrick, adding to the cart? Mm-hmm. What am I going to lose, Patrick, when, when I move and I get rid of I lop off the whole head?
1: So the first thing you need to do a little bit DIY at times is set up live preview. If you want to keep that going, craft really nicely lets you preview what something's going to look like because it knows your templates and can handle swapping in a draft instead of live content. Will's done some really great writing on his blog about setting up live preview. And the way that I've set up is you have, you know, preview.mydomain.com or whatever it might be that is in there and has some handling that looks for the token to come in from craft and the draft and then can make that work you know there's some little stuff too that kind of does a, a post message back to the front end so you have to orchestrate some stuff that does come out of the box for live preview once you've done a couple times though it's you know a few hours work to get it up and running and it actually works really nicely because you don't need to do a full page reload it'll be listening for a post message to come over and then can grab the draft and just swap it right in it works pretty nicely and i'd say even more nicely than normal live preview does once it's up and running. So I'm going to lose live preview. What else am I going to lose? Well, you have to rebuild your own. You have to make your own live preview. The other part is that it if and when the client saves their content, you need to rebuild the site if you're if you're building it statically. So you might, you know, let's say you're running it with Buddy. You would have a you'd use Crafts webhooks to say, you know, on entry save or category save or whatever, fire a webhook over and have Buddy start rebuilding the site. And depending on the complexity of your site, that could take Could take a minute, could take three minutes, could take 10 minutes, maybe even longer. It all depends on how much content you have.
0: Now I effectively have two servers, right? I have one for craft for the content, and I have another one that is serving the website somewhere.
1: Exactly, yep. Uh, well, maybe you, you could, I've done this with a couple of sites now where you end up putting everything out on one DigitalOcean or, or AWS server and it's just deploying a, another V host to that. So you may not need a second server. Another way you can do it is with you know DigitalOcean has their app platform, Netlify would let you deploy. so that way you know you're not having to think maybe a, a full-on server, but more something that can deploy for you without having to worry about that server architecture.
0: And if you're doing the static generation like Will is, you can have the actual generation be done on Vercel servers or on Netlify server, right? Will, is that how you do it, Will, or do you do it on your own servers?
2: I've done it both ways. As long as your server has a hook and can run Node. I've, I've used, you know, the Node and, you know, using Forge or something like that to set, to provision it. And you can do it on the server. And now you're talking, you know, your own server resources and you can beef that up as much as you need. You know, you have to put it in the, into place. If when you, when you work with something like Netlify, they have like atomic deployment and version control built right in. If you don't do that, uh, if you want to do it on your own server, you have to kind of set that up yourself. But then, you know, you could use Buddy or github actions or azure pipeline something like that to build your site in a docker container somewhere and then just kind of let that handle it so you could kind of go both ways it just sometimes that may come down to cost or the environment that your client wants to be in so
0: wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute patrick lied to me then he told me that if i use nuxt i wouldn't
2: have to do devops anymore now you're saying i got to do double the devops what's going on it depends. And, you know, if you go if you go the route of something like Net- Nellify or uh, Versal, it's you, you kind of pay to, for them to make it so you don't have to do the DevOps. But if, if you want to go real cheap, you know, <laughs> you could host you could host a website, DigitalOcean or a five dollar Linode. Your CMS at that point, because your CMS, if you're doing the static generation, it, your CMS only needs the resources for your content authors and depending on your what you're doing with like uh, image transform processing or something like that you, you need the resources and the memory to do that but you could actually run a pretty big site on like a five to ten dollar a month linode setup and then you then you add on maybe five dollars for object storage and then and then if you have then your static host you could probably get away with it for about 10 15 to 20 bucks
0: a, that scares really the cheap... hell out of me, Will. That scares the hell out of me <laughs> that, that I'm gonna be running a, a full-on node-based build system that builds every page on the site on the same site that's serving pages to my clients. It scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and and, that, and the same server that people are gonna be entering content. That that
2: scares me. But but it adds to that flexibility though, because uh, the other the flip side is I don't know if the- I forget the prices, but I would, you know, I think $20 a month per person or something. You can have a versatile setup where you you literally just, it takes five, you have, you you just have to connect GitHub, say what commands and what folder you're running out of, and it's pretty much done for you. I mean, spinning up a new website project is a piece of cake, but. You pay for that. Okay. That's
0: the jam though, man. I That's really the jam. It, it really is. It really is the jam because if you're doing this, I think to not have to do a whole lot of work, it's just so much nicer to be able to say, Okay, you know, how many workers do I want to be able to build this thing? And then you hit a button and it just goes and builds it. And you don't have to worry about the infrastructure. You don't have to worry about anything. Like I, that that is the jam, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what else do we lose? Because I'm looking here, I'm looking at craft CMS documentation and I'm seeing hundreds. Hundreds of filters and functions and yeah. tags and all this kind of stuff that all goes away. So what is is that a problem?
2: Well, okay. And Andrew, you 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 had a talk at one of the .dot all craft you know the Craft CMS conference. You had a talk a couple <laughs> years ago now. <laughs> Before Don't break the fourth wall man. <laughs> well, anyway, you had a talk that was that was saying whatever you did in PHP, you know, you have to re whatever you solved in PHP, you have to now solve in JavaScript and in right. a different way. And and I think about that a lot when it comes to getting data out of craft as I'm yeah. doing content modeling and now I'm thinking, okay, I got maybe I'm going to use this plugin and I got to make sure I can get my data out through GraphQL now and I got to make sure that I'm going to be able to get the data in a way that I can use it in my next front end. So you do have to think about that stuff and one of the things I think that's tough, again, I wouldn't say that this is all brand new, but there are still a lot of plugins that either don't have the support or that they're very focused on the Twig setup. And and they mm. don't really have a lot of support for the GraphQL stuff, because uh, partially because I think the developers behind it may, may want to add that in when they can or or, or whatever. But one of the things I found myself is, to me, as somebody who's done some plugin development and some custom module development, I found it hard to find how do you get GraphQL working in PHP and in a plugin? And and I started going down the rabbit hole of now I have to kind of learn all about GraphQL and resolvers and all the things that I didn't think I'd have to learn. But so I think plugins still kind of need to, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but I think the support is the thing you, you have to consider when you're picking a plugin now. And as far as you know, all those filters and the Twig stuff, you do lose some of that, but there are kind of workarounds to, to kind of make that stuff To kind of retain it, but you're doing it yourself again.
0: You gain JavaScript and then you also gain all of the node packages, right? (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff. So yeah, I mean so okay, so your first mistake was that you listened to me when at that conference talk I did a couple years ago. But no, I I think it is true though, that it you're just doing the same thing, you're doing it in a different place, but it's just it's annoying because you have to learn like the new way to do the thing. Is there anything else that you have found that is a a downside to this, or, or Patrick, are you just is every site going to be a nux site just like a couple of years ago? Every site was going to be a Gatsby site. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I mean, the Gatsby, uh the, the Gatsby flame burned bright, but it didn't burn that long. I, I think, I think that's mostly because I've found that I find view much easier to to work in than I do React. I, I I like the idea that you have those single file components that it feels much closer to HTML than JSX ever did for me. Yeah, I, honestly, I. Don't want to be building sites in what I, I call like a mixed stack environment at this point. I, you know, context switching is so tough to yes. jump from Twig to JS to CSS to something that's supposed to be global, something that's supposed to be component. You know, jumping all throughout your stack is tough. I, I find Nux just does a whole lot as well. Trying to keep up with whatever new Webpack annotated thing you've come up with now for Webpack four, or Webpack five, and having to get that right and tweak that—that's never been something I want to spend too much time on. Which is, I'm glad you do it, but. And it's, you know, those things get really big and unwieldy. I like NUX to just do it for me. Yeah, critical CSS is just done for me, especially with static. I don't have to worry about trying to quantify all the different URIs I want to put in there for static generate, or, or I'm sorry, for critical CSS analysis. If you're doing generate, it goes through and it's automatically generating it on a per page basis. So you get basically perfect critical CSS rather than trying to point some other DIY critical thing at URLs that you think are representative of what might be on the page. It's really, it's really impressive.
0: Yeah. And again, that gets back to what I was saying before about it does a lot of this stuff for you. So now I've I've got a quote that I'm going to read. I'm not going to say who it's from. No, oh, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to be you, Patrick. Although I easily could have done that. And the, the reason I'm not going to say who, is it, who it's from is I'm not trying to call anyone out. But I do think he makes an interesting and valid point, right? So I want to I want to read this and I want to hear you folks respond to it. it. Says Prospect: Our new marketing site is broken. We can't update it. The previous devs made it quote headless. Me sees a very basic site. Why, Prospect? We don't know and the SEO doesn't work and you can't scroll the homepage. Me, angry face. Stop over-engineering. Deliver something that works. How do you answer
1: that, Patrick? To me, it's, it's a little bit of a straw man. Like that could be the case for any site, for a Twig site, for a Drupal site, for anything. So the idea that that Headless is the culprit here is, is totally a straw man. And I, I think a pretty, I, I don't know, I'm sure someone that I really respect wrote this. So. <laughs> But I I don't think it's the, the right thing. I mean, I, I would say CounterPoint, Azure went down really hard maybe a week or two weeks ago to the point where Azure's status page was actually down, which, you know, never host your status page on the same server as what it's reporting status for. <laughs> we have a client that actually hosted in Azure, and the, the part that went down was basically network communication between things. Because they were on a static site, that site kept on running. The The site search probably wasn't working. I can say it definitely wasn't working. But the site itself was up. So the Counter point is today, if one little part of your stack, you know, be it MySQL, or if you're in the middle of a install that goes funny on craft, if any of that goes, goes weird, there's a good chance that your entire site could go down. With the headless site, if you're building it right, you're going to get all those SEO benefits. Plug for you, Andrew, but SEOmatic makes it pretty easy to get all those SEO tags and pop them right into the head. And if it's a static site, that site will not go down if you've deployed it properly, while other sites, you have a live application that's there, and if something goes wrong, the whole thing comes down with it.
0: All right. so what do you think, Will? How would you address this person who's basically saying the previous devs made it headless, and you don't see any reason why, and you're saying stop over engineering, deliver something that works. How would you respond to that,
2: or what are your thoughts on I, that? I, I guess for me, I, I, it, and no matter who said this, it, it has to come down with come down to context. Uh, why? What do? You, what is your purpose of your site? And you know, you, they, that person could be absolutely right if it's like a very right. simple blog, and it, or the, or the traffic to it is like you know just a few thousand people a day or something. Not that's not going to crash your server or something like that. But I would kind of counter. I I would say you could just, you could have a craft site that gets super complicated. And for example, for me and you guys, I know have done a lot more with craft. I don't know what, what you do with like Redis and memcache and stuff. I, I honestly haven't really gotten into that and I'd like to learn it, but to me, that's you. You got to pick which thing you want to dive into, and I think I'll come back to that when I can. But at the moment, the things I'm learning, I'm okay with sending it over to thinking of it, going into this, going deeper into this Jamstack headless. Either way, I'm going to be learning something new, and either way, I'm I'm going to get to the point where certain sites sort of need something like that because of whatever the amount of traffic or the, the amount of resources you're working with on the server or something like that. You make it to the point where you just. It, it all just comes down to that. That person could be absolutely right, or they could they could just be missing a big part of the the puzzle here.
0: So, in my opinion, I think this person is both right and wrong at the same time. Okay, and and I'm not just trying to work both sides of it. So, the reason why I think that they are wrong is that I I don't think that you can blame this on a particular technology. Kind of like what Patrick was saying, it's a little bit of a straw man argument. It's not necessarily headless that is making the site bad. Now, on the other hand. He's saying, stop over-engineering, deliver something that works. I would agree with that. And I think that most people that are interested in using something like Nux, that's probably one of the reasons why they're using it, is they want that engineering that's already taken care of so that they can just use it and everything will just work. So just as an example, I've been consulting with a client that wanted me to take a look at some of the sites that they're working on, and they're a React shop. And they have issues with SEO, where... <laughs> Like the search results for some pages come up as an error, you know, like it displays error text on the SERP, which is bad. And the reason is they're not using any kind of server-side rendering. And in theory, Google says that it will execute the JavaScript and it will read everything right, but it, it doesn't. Like they, I know they've been saying that for years that they do it, but it doesn't always work. And then the other thing is the performance characteristics of this site, it's terrible. And the reason it's terrible is it's all client-side React so they have to download this huge payload it's got to render everything and it's just it's a marketing site right like there's no reason to do it so in that case, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it's over-engineering that is causing the problems, but it also is a little bit of just a misapplication of the technology because they can still use React. And I, you know, my my opinion React might be a little bit overboard for building a marketing site. However, if you use something like Next and you get that nice server-side render or you do a static render of the stuff, you're not going to run into the SEO problems, you're not going to have the performance problems, and then you can keep that one stack that your team knows really well. And that is the one case where I would say it's fine to use something like React and Next or Vue and Nuxt, even on sites where you're like, ah, it's just a marketing site. Like, why are you bothering? The reason is that's your jam. That's what you've got worked out. You know how to do it and you can do it in a way that it really isn't over-engineering. What do you guys think?
2: I think you're absolutely right. And it's it's funny you say that I'm working on in, in a very similar situation where we had a, a client that's using view and they had an SPA and, but, but they ran into the same exact issue. And I think, I think some of that's just that. The technology changing and you it made sense to pick an spa before the static stuff or then or some of this jamstack stuff started really developing but but now what we're doing is we're, we're actually taking the spa and converting it to a jamstack site and first off the process for that has been super great because because of nuxt in and view and, and just how they work it's been a super fast process to make that happen but uh, it's one of those things where Going back, you know, two years ago, this is this is how I would have said, this is how we should have built the site. But yeah. um, we're at a point where the, the, we, it just wasn't really possible, and and all the parts weren't there. And, but but at this point, I think it's pretty safe to to jump into some of that technology. And as I've always said, you can build
0: something absolutely horrendously awful using anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I would almost say this is not over engineering in some ways; it's under engineering in that you pick the shiny thing but you didn't go fully into the way to utilize that and utilize it properly for the site. You know what I mean? So I had definitely have seen a lot of companies that they've been sold, you know, a a reactor view based website and it's been done really poorly and it Mm -hmm. gives it a bad name, but there's no reason for it. it. Doesn't have to be that way. You know, if you don't want to learn how to do it all yourself, use something like Nuxt that will take care of all this stuff for you so that you can use the nice DX that you like in your single file components, Patrick, but you can be delivering something that is demonstrably good for your clients as well.
2: The other part about that too, and and we have run into a lot of times where I don't know about you guys, but sometimes selling Craft or or different CMS platforms, it's it's a little tough to do that to somebody who's a WordPress. You know, they, they they somebody built their website on WordPress, they're comfortable with it and they're happy with it. And and the purpose of using Craft really isn't because me, the developer, wants you to use that it's really i just know in some cases the flexibility that you may be looking for as an author or just content uh, authoring experience it's going to be a little bit better than just you having to to figure your way around this crazy WYSIWYG wig or this old wordpress site from like you know 5 years ago so the nice thing about switching to something where, yes, it is a little more complicated to, to add a different front end onto things, but it also could be the thing that the, I think the biggest benefit is you just have that flexibility. I could say, I'll take your WordPress site, I'll make it work as a headless site, and then maybe someday we'll move you off of WordPress into, whether it's craft or just a different CMS, or down the line, if, if you really love your website, but you start to run into issues or limitations as a Nux site, it, once you've already made established that you know your backend CMS platform is is just a place to put content. Then swapping out the front end to whatever future thing is available at the time, it, it's a lot easier. So that benefit makes the argument about it being over-engineered. I, that 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 benefits much better. For I think from a client's standpoint, in addition to the developer standpoint.
0: So Patrick is still on the honeymoon period with Nuxt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> ask it now. Patrick
1: we're on our fourth site now. So I I, I think we're past the honeymoon. Like we're, no, you're we're, not.
0: Oh, you're not. Foresight is, is, is not the honeymoon at all. You're still 100% on the honeymoon. I, I, come on. <laughs> come on. So are how committed are you, Patrick? Are you going to get that Nuxed double triangle tattoo
1: emblazoned on your backside? <laughs> no, no. Um Man, the tattoos I would have, like the Expression Engine. The, the, oh, my and, God. And, Can you man. imagine
0: if you if got tattoos that looked like your laptop?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying oh to think. Craft, like, I know they rebranded, but I'm trying to remember if that was an original original logo like all the and then someone rebrands no that that's i'm not there yet it's but no committed. i mean <laughs> i really hope the, that i'm still the only thing i could say is maybe if svelte had a i know they were working on sapper and i, I don't know where that's been that's the only other thing where i find like the syntax of svelte is even cleaner than view which i could be into that there there is something out there if anyone looks at Vue, though, and sees, I mean, Vue 3 should clean this up a lot anyway, but um, there's something called Vue class component that lets you work in a way that almost feels like Svelte, but for Vue, and that's actually pretty attractive to me right now.
0: And that's personally what I'm waiting for. I do mm-hmm. have, like, the next iteration of the NY Studio 107 site is going to be a Nuxt 3 site, but I'm waiting for Nuxt 3 to do it because, I first of all, it's not an urgent thing. Sure. And second of all, that implements a stack that I want. I want Vue 3 to be able to do it. But let me yep. let me ask Will. Will, are you committed? Are you ready to get that double delta, the double triangle tattoo emblazoned on your backside? Nux, are you that happy with it?
2: Uh, I, there's no, no tattoos, but I would say for the type of sites that I do, it may come down to either twig with blitz and if it's a craft site or craft with noxt i i part of part of it is simplifying the work the team that i work with you know so part part of it is setting them up with tools that are have some consistency so we're not chasing the flavor of the month and so there's that a little bit of that to it but also i would never say like that's the only way we would do it yeah. I, you know, that's the important thing. I just, at the moment, I think Nuxt makes a lot of sense. And if not a craft site with Blitz and or something like that, I, it would work out great too. So yeah,
0: there definitely is more than one way to build stuff. But I think we've gone over some of the advantages and disadvantages of doing it this way. And I think we're going to have another show whenever Nuxt 3 comes out. And I start diving into that version more deeply, but I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, drop us a review. We'd really appreciate it. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch.
1: And I'm Patrick Harrington.
0: And thank you, Will Brower, for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: And, and I'm going to tell you real quick, Patrick. So when I woke up face down on the floor in Kyoto <laughs> in, in Japan and with, yeah. my, with my right arm being in a whole lot of pain, there was a, a kendo uh, training facility right near where we were staying. And we went to a bar where a bunch of them were hanging out afterwards. And that was at the time where I was actually in really good shape. I was weightlifting a ton, you know, looked like this, this big American dude or whatever. I started to get drunk and they all wanted to arm wrestle with me. <laughs> every time that I beat them in an arm wrestle, they bought me a shot of Jack Daniels to drink. And I even, I even remember I was letting him use like two hands to do it. Like we were going crazy. But man, I really messed up my arm. Like my arm was dead for like the next three days after that. It was not good. It was not good. Oh.